The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Every person ever born, every, every person ever born has a desire to fit in. They want to belong somewhere. They want to belong in a group. And, you know, we, it's kind of like this. We see a person or a group of people that we think we like or that we think we want to be like. And so what, immediately what we do is we try to figure out a way that we can go hang out with them. Yeah, I want you to think back to high school, right? Some of you, that'll be easy. Some of you, a little more difficult. You know, some of you had to walk uphill both ways to school and carry your lunch without feet. I mean, I get it. It's, you know, it's, you're that old school. But think about it. Everybody wanted to hang out with the cool kids, whatever you considered the cool kids to be, Right? Whether you were the, the jock, the athlete, and you wanted to hang out with those, or, you know, you were whatever. I don't know. I'm not going to try to do it. But we figured out, we tried to figure out ways to hang out with that group of people. And how many of you can remember that one person who just awkwardly didn't fit in? Right? Maybe it's you. I mean, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe it's me. I <laughs> but you can remember that one person that just, they just try to get themselves or insert themselves into the group, and it just never, it never quite worked. And they didn't quite fit. And they would, they would do something like this. You know, they would walk up to the group, and they would just kind of stand there. They didn't say anything. They didn't do anything. They, they didn't even insert themselves into a conversation. They just kind of tried to get close. Like, if I can just get, get my shoulder in there, if I can, you know, if I can get my foot in there or something, somehow that's going to help me. And, and it becomes really awkward really quickly, right? Because we don't know what to do with them. We really don't. But we've all, we've all known that person or maybe we've been that way. And, be, and here's the thing. Unfortunately, because we feel awkward about it, we actually begin to become offended by them. Right? We look at that person like, what are you doing? Now, we don't say it. Well, maybe we don't say it. But we look at them like, there's something wrong with you. Why, why, are, you, why are you doing this? Man, you don't belong here. You don't, you don't fit in here. You don't. And then what happens is we begin to think and tell ourselves, well, because that person's kind of that, like that, we don't want anything to do with them. Matter of fact, we, <coughs> excuse me, we don't want to, we don't want to be around that person. We want to do everything we can to avoid that person. And then what we'll find ourselves doing, and when they walk up, is we kind of just get between them and, and the group, right? We, we put our back to them and, and try, to, try to push them away. And, and what we are doing, in essence, is building a wall. We're creating a barrier that says, you're not welcome. You, sh- you don't fit. You shouldn't be here. And we begin to inadvertently or on purpose alienate that person. We begin to push them away, subtly at first, right? Take the hint, you don't belong. Or as time progresses, maybe we're a little more patient, and then finally, you know, everything breaks loose, and you just tell them what you think. We separate ourselves. We separate them. We create barriers. We, we, We create fences. We create walls that keep people at least at arm's distance or at safe distance so we don't feel threatened or we don't feel used. But here's the thing. 
the walls we build are not really to keep them away from us. It's to keep us away from them. We say, oh, it's so they aren't in, but it's really so that we're protecting ourselves. It's really so that we, um, we don't have to deal with whatever is in us that they bring to the surface, that that person magnifies. And so then we ask, start to ask ourselves questions like this. Do I really need other people? Do I really need other people? Or can I just do this thing called life all by myself and, and skate through and whatever happens, happens, and at the end of the day, I'm all good. And, you know, in times that we're in right now, when everything seems to be at a fever pitch, right, everything seems to be an issue, riots divide communities, political divides are happening, all these things are going on, belief systems are pitting one group against another group, it can seem that really all we are is divided. That there's really no, there's no coming together at any point. And we start to look and say, well, so what is it that divides us? What is it that causes separation? And you know what the answer is? Everything. <laughs> Unfortunately, everything divides us because you can always find something, something that when you look at it, you don't like something that you don't doesn't seem right doesn't seem like you like you know you got the political thing with blue versus red you got ideologies conservative versus liberal you got race black versus white you got poor versus rich you got all these things you know employed versus unemployed homeless versus those who have a home you, you can you can just start building the whole thing right and you start looking at groups of people like some, somehow they're wrong because they don't think like you. They don't look like you. They don't act like you. They don't smell like you. And then what happens is we carry those hurts and rejections and pride and we live separated. We live guarded lives where we're not willing to be in community. We're not willing to be in relationship with anybody, and we begin to discard even the relationships we have. The good relationships we have, we start looking at them as like, well, they're not really all that important. If I can do this with this group, I really don't need that group either. You know, I don't need, listen, if I can separate myself from those that aren't like me, do I really need the people who are like me? And let me step on a foot or two here, but, you know, I, I can separate myself from the world, but I really don't need my church family either because I can survive. I can make it. I can do this thing called life. I, I've proven it. I, I, I mean, even when things, the chips are down, man, I just put my head down. I'm like a bulldozer, and I just go right straight through it because on the other side, something might be okay. And you know what? All we're doing is build more walls. All we're doing is build more walls. We're creating barriers that we don't know what to do with. Division destroys. Disunity this, this deteriorates relationships. And there's a problem in all that, and it's this. We were created for relationships. Deep down inside every one of us, we crave relationships. We were created in the image of God who is a relational God, and because of that, 
we crave it. And no matter how much we say we don't need it, that sense of belonging is deep in every one of us. And that's why when we were the awkward kid in high school, we tried to fit in. And somewhere deep inside every one of us today, there's a sense of I need to belong. And I want to fit in. I want to find that group of people that I belong to. And, you know, we're looking at the, the book of Ephesus in this message series. And that's something that group of people really could identify with. Because here they were. The Roman Empire had come in and kind of taken control of the known world, and they were starting to implement and, and insert all their beliefs, all their things, their government, all that, and all these cities. And, and so they find themselves oftentimes in this place where they were isolated. Now this thing, this, the way, the, the way of Jesus, these Jesus followers have now come into the city, and they've planted a church, and they're telling them there's a different way. There's something else. There's something else you can belong to. And so... Ephesus, <coughs> being part of the Roman Empire, was finding itself in a place where there was these two different positions, or maybe three or four different positions, that were telling them there's thing groups they could belong to, and they just didn't know what to do with it. And so there was a problem that arose. And the problem that arose was this. They didn't value young people. Matter of fact, 40% of the children born in the city of Ephesus in that time didn't live to be five years old. There was no premium or no value put on children. They, die, they tended to die young. And so what they would do is they wouldn't even name them if they didn't for up to a week to a month because they didn't expect them to live. So there was a kid with nothing. And here's the other thing. If it was a girl and not a boy, a lot of times they were just discarded. They were put out on the city dump or left outside, and then they were just picked up by somebody who wanted to abuse and misuse them, and they became slaves and prostitutes or worse, killed. And if a, baby, if a boy was born and he had some kind of defect or some kind of problem, same thing happened. And they, became, they were sold as slaves or they became gladiators in the arenas. And so there's this whole, this whole thing going on in Ephesus where life and people and belonging was just not valued. And so as Paul begins to his letter to the Ephesians, he understood that he was addressing people whose lives had taught them that they were worthless. Even if they survived, they had been, they had been taught, they had been trained in their minds to believe they didn't have a lot to offer. They were irrelevant. And so Paul, as he writes this, starts to challenge them that their identity was not something that they could achieve, but it was something that they had to receive. And so we're going to pick it up in uh, verse 11 of chapter 2, and this is what he says. And again, remember, he's writing to a church. He says this, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. <laughs> he starts around and goes, listen, guys, remember. Remember where you've come from. You were outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens. Right? So he's talking about the, Jew the church, right, which began in Jerusalem. And most, almost all the converts were coming out of Judaism and the whole you know, law and all of that. And he said, they, they called you uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. So he says, listen, remember, remember, you were outside looking in. You weren't accepted by the status quo. You weren't accepted by the people who were already in the church, even though what they were proud of was, had really no effect on how, to, you know, their heart and then he says, and you were living apart from Christ. 
You weren't accepted by the people. You weren't given citizenship among them. And you didn't understand why they thought they were better. He said, you lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. You see, Paul was writing to a city of outsiders. He was writing to a city that understood there was no place for them. As a matter of fact, if you go back in Jewish history to the tabernacle and even to the temple, you know, today, if you go into Jerusalem, there is a place called the Wailing Wall. They believe it's the only part of the temple that still exists. It's a sacred place, and people go there and pray. But do you realize that back in the day, if you were not Jewish, there was a place called the Court of the Gentiles that you could go to if you wanted to worship their God, but it was outside the temple. You weren't allowed in. And what Paul's telling these, these Ephesians is, listen, I understand that's where you were. I understand that that's how you feel. I understand that you have been separated. And you know what? We live in the same world. We live in the same world. We, we, we battle with that same mindset all the time. We're an outsider looking in, trying to figure out how to fit in, trying to figure out how to get along with this. It's each of us. And what the problem is, is that sin has separated us from God. Listen, all the walls that, we, that they built in a temple, or they that had nothing to do with it. It was sin that separates us from God. It's built a wall that hinders our relationship with him. It's, it's built barriers that stop us from connecting with him the way he wants to connect with us. Sin has created a problem. And Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and says, and, and to us, and he challenges us and encourages us that it's possible for those barriers to be turned into bridges. That we don't have to be separated by the walls of sin. We don't have to be separated by the walls that we put up ourselves, our defense mechanisms, our issues that we just, you know, try to walk away from and say, that's, that's just who we are, that's just how I am, and I can't change. And he was trying to, Paul was trying to teach the Ephesians that there was a different way to walk if they would walk in a new season. If they would walk in a new season of connection. And I want to tell you today, no matter where you find yourself in your spiritual walk, brand new or seasoned Christian, there's a new way to walk. Listen, let's be really honest. Every one of us in this room have issues. If you don't, meet me in the back. We'll talk after service is over. We all have issues. We all have stuff. We all have problems with people that we don't like or people that we do like or places that we want to fit in or places that we don't want to fit in. We all deal with it. But those, those barriers that we have, we have set up to protect ourselves can literally become the bridges to a new way. And if you're here today and 2019 wasn't what you wanted and you're hoping 2020 is something better, I believe the words that Paul spoke in that verse that I just read is for us. And here's where it starts. We have to be reconciled with God. We have to be reconciled with God. The word reconcile in and of itself means that there's a coming back. There's, a, there's something that's been broken. There's something that's been separated. There's something that has been turned around. And now our job, or our, not a job, our responsibility is to reconcile with God. We have to be reconciled with God. And that sounds easy, right? 
just okay. God, I'm good. <coughs> God, I got this. God, just, just help me. Just, just help me, God. Sounds really simple, but let me tell you, sin will always build a wall and build a barrier to keep us from being reconciled with God, to reestablishing the relationship, to creating a right path back to God. And although, although the, the idea of reconciliation sounds great, in the same token, it can sound impossible because we are deceived to believe that we're so bad that God could never love us again. We've done so many things wrong. We've separated ourselves so much that there's no way we could ever be reconciled back to God. But can I tell you today, that's not the truth. That's just a lie from the pit. It's a lie of the enemy. He wants you to believe you're separated. His, his greatest device, his greatest strategy is separation and isolation. And if you find yourself separated and isolated, guess what? You've given him a foothold. If you're finding yourself unconnected, you've only given all you've really done, you're not protecting yourself. You're actually giving the greatest enemy to your life a place to establish this foothold. They're really saying, come on in, devil. Here you go. Put your foot here because you can keep me where I am. You can keep me from receiving everything that God has for me. So we live on the outside looking in, living deflated lives, living defeated lives, trying to figure out if there's a way for us to get back to God. And God says it's this easy. You can be reconciled, re reconciled back to me through my son Jesus. You can be reconciled to God through Christ. Paul takes that passage and he takes another step. And I want to read verses 13 to 15. It says, but now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. See, Paul's looking at this group of outsiders and going, when Jesus died, that went away. There is no separation anymore. There's no separation between you and the person beside you. There's no separation between a Jew or a Gentile. And better yet, there's no separation between you and God. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations, and he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. You see, Jesus made a way to make peace, and so he removes the fence of offense. You, you know, want to know why most of the time we live in a separated world? Because somehow we're offended by the other side. And so the barriers, the fences, the walls we built are offensive. We, we've become offended. Something somebody said, and you might not feel it. You might not feel the separation or offense. Not necessarily between you and people, but the one between you and God. You may not feel it. You might say, you know what, I'm good. Everything's fine. I'm living my life. I'm getting on. But you want to know why you don't feel the offense between you and God? Because you're not the offended party. You're not the one that's been offended. You're the one being offensive. God's the one that's, a, that's being offended. His love, his mercy, his grace has been basically stomped upon. His love, his mercy, his grace has been turned around and you're going, you know, that's great, God. Thank you for offering it, but it's all good. 
I got this. We're we're not the offended one. He isn't. But in in all of that, Jesus steps right into the middle of it, right? Takes on our sin, takes on our hurt, takes on our rejection, builds the bridge back to God, and all we have to do is accept by faith. All we have to do is be reconciled, is to live in that place where mercy and grace takes the sting of death, the, the penalty of sin away. But what do we do? (laughs) We build walls. We find reasons not to do that. We find situations that, well, I can't can't connect there. I can't belong to that church or I can't belong to that group or I can't live in that place because somebody did something or somebody said something. Or that person, I know how they live on Monday through Saturday. And, man, if they're going to sit in that seat on Sunday, I can't be in that place. And you want to know what you're doing? You're not hurting them. You're hurting your relationship with God. You're building a wall. You're building a place of separation. But God's in his spirit, and in his invisible Holy Spirit, that's supposed to be breaking down those walls, and all we do is go, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. It'll be all right. I can live with this offense. I don't need it. But let me tell you something. If we're going to live reconciled to God through Christ, we cannot build those bridges. We cannot build those walls, rather. We can't, we can't complete those barriers. We don't, have, we don't have the right to build those barriers. The Bible tells us, right, we have been forgiven for what reason? To forgive others. Matter of fact, there's scripture after scripture, scripture after scripture that talks about you have to forgive others. Matter of fact, there's one that says, if you want to be forgiven, you have to forgive. So we're reconciled to God through Christ, but we are also reconciled with others through Christ. Let me take this a little bit further in verses 15 through 22. It starts out, it says, he, and it's talking about Jesus, did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. And then he goes on. He goes, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility, to, hostility toward each other was put to death. Do you hear that? Do you hear what he just said? He said, Jesus went to the cross, Right? And he reconciled both groups. Now, he's dealing with a very specific situation, but think about this. He's reconciled all groups, not just people from Ephesus and people from Jerusalem, right? He's reconciled all groups by means of his death. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. In other words, when he died, we, again, we have no right to be against another person who claims Christ. We have no right to build a wall between other Christians and us. We have no right to stand and judge somebody else based on something that we think that keeps us apart. But you know what we do? We build all kinds of walls in the church. We build all kinds of walls. We're separated by what we like and what we don't like. We're separated by whether we like the creamer in the coffee or we don't like the creamer in the coffee. We're separated by whether we have a donut or a cheese. It. We're, I mean, I, I'm, being, I'm not trying to be funny, but 
it's so some of it is so silly that those are the kind of things that we that we're separated by. And Jesus went to the cross and said it killed, it, it took away the hostility toward each other. Put it to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ, Jesus himself. So he literally tells them, listen, you're not separated and you're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. He goes, listen, you're built on what you just heard from the apostles, but you're also built on what the prophets talked about thousands of years ago. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. See, here was two people groups leaving with two different ideas and two different preferences. And those ideas and preferences became prejudices. They became the thing that separated. And here's the problem. Our prejudices and our ideas have consequences. They, and they can be good or bad. It's the same problem we deal with in every separation between political parties or races or social economic status groups or whatever it is. The thing that separates us is our ideology. It's our prejudice. And those things create separation. And here's the problem. So often we justify our separation because we say, well, God must agree with it. But all that I read today says God doesn't agree with any of it. In his eyes, there's no male, female, Greek, Jew, nothing. Because we think that maybe God agrees with us or our prejudice is right or our decision or our separation is right, we believe they don't deserve what God wants to offer them. Oh, it's good for us, right? It's awesome for us. Man, we love it when God wants to do something for us, but that group over there, maybe not so much. But listen, here's the truth. God opened his arms wide for everybody. And he calls us all family. He calls every one of us to be part of the family of God. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what your, what your ideologies were or what you believed uh, yesterday. It doesn't matter what, frankly, nothing matters. All he says is come to me by faith and you'll be saved. And then guess what? You're home. It's why we we use that terminology around here, welcome home. You'll hear people say, welcome home. It's on the building for crying out loud. You know why? Because we want to live that way. We want to be that way. We don't want to be people that that shut out one side or the other side because they don't agree on something, because they look different than us, or maybe maybe they they aren't as, as spiritual as we are or as righteous as we are. Or maybe they just like their music louder. Ouch. But we're all the same family. We all wear the same uniform. We all have the same name on our jerseys. You see, God wanted to create a oneness out of people who were previously divided. He wanted to make peace through that oneness and peace. And I want to close with this passage of Scripture, and it's not going to be on the screen. 
But in John 17, one of the last things Jesus told his disciples, there's this long dissertation where he prays. And in verses 20 through 22, he's praying for all believers. Matter of fact, if you, in your Bible, there's probably a little subheading somewhere that says that Jesus prays for all believers. And this is what it says. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. He's talking about the people that will believe through the apostles' message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. Now, that's a tough verse. That's tough. Because there's going to be somebody that I'm going to see that I'm not really going to like. Right? There's going to be somebody I'm going to disagree with. Somebody's going to say something that's going to offend me. But I think I'm, maybe, it's na- maybe I'm naive or maybe I'm just trying to live by faith. But something deep inside of me says if Jesus prays for it, it's possible. If, if Jesus says, Father, make them one as we are one, then somehow it can happen. But you know what it takes? It takes you and me changing the way we think, changing the way we, we view other people, changing the way we live our life. You know, this, this weekend, we have something called group launch going on. And all group launch is, is a way to try to catalyze and get people moving toward life groups. It's really easy to come in on a Sunday and sit in a row and get your church thing checked off. But you know what you're doing? You're really just living in your silo. You're really just living in your space. We, I have a t-shirt on underneath this shirt. I'm not going to take my shirt off. I promise. But it's a circle with a greater than sign and some rows. Because we use this terminology, circles are greater than rows. And all we mean by that is this. It does us very little good to come in and sit in our rows every, every Sunday and then get up and go home and never connect with each other. We need each other. And so what group launch is all about is this. Find a group, a small group of people that you can connect to to live life with. We need it. We were made for it. We were created in God's image to be relational. This is how we relate. I tell people all the time, what do you get on a Sunday when you come in? You get a message, you get some songs in the back of somebody else's head. True? How many of the people that you're sitting in front, behind right now and you're looking at the back of their head do you actually know? You've taken a few minutes to get to know them or you've gotten into a small group with them. So my challenge today is this. Don't live separated. Live in community. Find people. Spend, live life together. Share your faith. Faith is hard enough by its, with a group let alone trying to do it on your own. So when you leave here today, there'll be somebody back here in the back somewhere that's representing group launch. They'd love to get you connected to a group. If you're not in a small group, you're not in a life group, get in one. If you are, then live life with that group. Live life with them. You see, God's a source of community. He's love. God is love. He shares his love. And he did it the greatest way ever. He proved his community this way. He sent his son, who on the night he was betrayed, gathered all his closest friends together. And I think the greatest showing of true community is what we celebrate when we do communion. Now, the words themselves, 
community is made up of two words, common and unity, right? There's a unity that binds us together. There's a commonality that comes within the unity of faith that we're required to live in. And Jesus proved it that night. We even use kind of the same thing we say communion. It's about coming together and celebrating what God did by sending Jesus and what Jesus did by going to the cross. And they're going to pass out some emblems right now because we're going to do communion together. It's kind of the, the cap of today. You know, the Bible tells us this. It says, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his closest followers, his inner circle, the people that he counted as his best friends. <coughs> and they, they celebrated the Passover, actually, which was a huge Jewish festival, right? I mean, it was like, the, it was like their Christmas. And he, he celebrates this with them. And um, it says as he did that, he, he took the place of honor at the table, but he also did two things that were really unusual in the Passover meal. He took the bread, and he took the juice, the wine, and he did something that didn't normally happen in the Passover meal. It says he broke the bread, and he told them to take it and eat it. He said, this is my body which is going to be broken for you. Basically what he's saying is, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be broken. I'm going to be beaten. But it's not, it's not about how horrendous that is. It's about what it accomplishes because my broken body is your wholeness. My broken, broken body is your healing. And he says, you know what else is going to happen? My blood's going to be spilt. But that blood is a new covenant. You know, in the past, you had to sacrifice animals. You had to sacrifice things that were not actually adequate to cover your sin. But this blood of a new covenant, my spilt blood will cover every sin. And so as we do communion today, I want to look at it a little different. I want to look at it this way. This is the thing that brings the church together. I mean, there's a lot of different denominations. There's a lot of different groups that go do their own thing all over the world, right? They're all meeting in places on Sunday morning, and they're having their own service, and they're doing their own thing. But you know there's one thing that a lot of them do regardless of whether they end up on the more liberal side or the more conservative side of Christianity, there's one thing they do that brings them together, and it's this. It's communion. And so can we go into this today with this mindset? This is about unity. This is about community. This is about coming together. But there's something we have to do first. Bible says that a man should examine himself. And so, I want you to take a couple minutes. I want you to kind of look deep inside yourself and see if there's any walls you've built. Ask God, God, are there walls in my life that I have put up that separate me from other people, that separate me from the people sitting on that side of the room or the people that I'm sitting behind or in front of, or people that are over in that other room right now having a service just like this one? Are there walls that I've built? Are there, are there walls that I've built in my family that need to come down? Are the walls I've built with my coworkers that need to come down? Because the Bible actually tells us if we have something with somebody else, before we do this, we're to go to them. We're to leave our sacrifice at the altar and go there, make it right, and then come back and sacrifice. So would you do that today? And then we'll come back. Just hold on to your emblems. In a few minutes, we'll take communion together, okay? So would you take a minute and reflect? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.